it is true that I am, in fact, a married spud. <gasps> He's a married spud. He's a married spud. He's a married spud. And I do, in fact, have eyes, much like a potato. <gasps> and a shape, oddly similar <laughs> to a potato. So what I'm saying is, I guess I'm just Mr. Potato Head. You're welcome. Now, the question is, can you store everything like Mr. Potato Head can? I, I mean, you can shove any number of things in my orifices. It just won't be comfortable. But, oh, I mean, well. when has that ever been a concern for anyone? I got a pair of shoes. If I mash you up, can I turn you into vodka? Uh, you'll have to consult Dan Aykroyd for that one, because I'm afraid I am not an expert in how that spirit is effectively concocted. Diamonds or no. Mm. Diamond hands or no. Diamond hands. Okay, well, uh, we're getting a little starchy off the top. Thank you, thank you. It's uh, I have been masquerading as an adult for quite some time, so now I at least have a few of the the card-carrying requisites for being an adult human being now. Ooh, it's always good. As does, you know, uh, Michael the Lesser, as he likes to be known. So, Yes, I was also married recently, and... Yeah, it's 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 exciting, but it's I'm not catching. an adult because I'm still in school. So, I oh, trust me, I'm aware that both of you are recently married because when I mentioned it to my girlfriend, I was like, "Oh, Michael got married." And, hey, Shane, he just got married too. I uh, I was made aware. Oh, isn't that interesting that everybody you know is getting hmm. married, and yet here we are. Curious. <laughs> hmm. Don't don't let anyone pressure you into doing anything. Oh, no, no, she's not pressuring me. She's just uh, hinting. Needless to say, gents, I might have to uh, follow up. Well, I think it has been a requisite for this show from its inception that somebody has to be single. So you're the one in the barrel now, my friend. Much like a man on a pirate ship, you're just waiting for the swords to cross. Yar. (laughs) Yeah, well, I might walk the plank and walk the aisle soon enough. We'll see. As long as we all wind up with some booty. (laughs) Speaking of spectral doubloons by the eternal, behold, Behold. it's the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. I feel like now the precedent has been set that the two of you have to just synchronize that from this point forward. Well, I was going to jump in and do it, but then I didn't want to derail us right off the bat. Oh, it's fine. It's part of the shtick now, I think. That's been a firmly ensconced in the minds of the listener. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I really do feel like last time was actually Michael's fault because he's the one that typically ends the podcast, you're, right? With I'm Michael right. and Zippity Zoop. Yeah. So really, it was supposed to be me saying, and I'm Michael, but he chimed in on my run. So he cut my grass. No, yeah, no, you're right. you're right. No, he's not. He's an interloper here as, as of right now. Until there's an actual certification, <laughs> I, I don't think that you get to claim credit <laughs> for being the one who's supposed to tag in there. But Well, <laughs> well, then, well then, then, Shane, I would ask you, when was I supposed to go? Um, Should, was As the interloper, you, was it on me to close out You have out about the show? 45 minutes before you're allowed to do it again, I'd say. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say before you're allowed to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and mute. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but for those who are still able to hear my voice now, since I'm not running the show any longer, uh, what I will say is what we typically do here is we like to delve into random esoterica, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we in the occasional lie that is the whole shtick of the show it's the reason for the season and it is not always pleasing but 
We do not allow you to leave disinformed. No, no, no. We do have a denouement at the end of the episode where we explain what we lied about and why. And also, occasionally we explain what the joke was supposed to be. By we, I mean you, my four-eyed friend. Uh, I just, I can't leave, I can't leave, I can't leave a horse. I gotta beat it to death. I have to. Put it out of its misery. I was about to say, your wife is going to be very upset if she hears that you say that out of context. Oof. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can explain. Can you, in fact? No, no, Are I Are you can't. drinking any eggnog this evening, since we have actually crested into the, the month of Mariah Carey's great, you know, I can't say the word here. Uh, leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Kanye. I'm not angling oh. for that sort of heat right now. But. My stars and stripes. Um, no, Carrie actually... is coming. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Um, no, I am not drinking eggnog tonight. And I thought about it primarily because I'm recovering from a cold and I don't want any more phlegm, especially ah. if I'm going to be doing a lot of the talking. Uh, so I uh, refrain from it tonight, uh, okay. unfortunately. I thought you were about to say you were recovering from alcoholism. No, no, I'm still, I'm still in that. Okay. I'm still in it. Haven't had any eggnog, but I have had the uh, Bones eggnog coffee, which is really mm-hmm. very delicious. Yes, I, I, it had slipped my recollection that you were also on the Bones train even before <laughs> the discussion began here. Oh, yes, I think I uh, did. I post you did when when you guys all talked. The yeah, slew of materials that you had. Have you have you changed your yeah. favorite out yet? Well, no, like, so I just switched over to the Christmas uh, type okay. stock. I had uh, the eggnog uh, day before yesterday or something like that. I had the white chocolate, like peppermint mm-hmm. okay. one uh, this morning. Um, but prior to the recent Christmas kick, I was really just all about the army of darkness. Uh, dark it is delightful. It Have is. you tried the new uh, Nightmare Before Christmas themed flavors? I haven't. They are they're delightful. But it's on the list. They were all wonderful. Uh I I you know, it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, it really is. I had shoot, I can't remember the ones I had. I know I had the it was like a coffee liqueur one. I think that was Sally's. Mm-hmm. Um I think that was No, that was, was a mole. That you're right, that was a mole. It wasn't as spicy as I wanted it to, but it was still really really good. Well, I didn't feel any tingling in either my mouth or nethers as it passed, so that was an appropriate level of spice for me. Uh, fair enough, I guess. <sighs> and but. by the way, yes, we are not officially sponsored by Bones Coffee yet, but there's Damn still shame. time. Please. <laughs> it, the holiday season is upon us, so in the, in the spirit of giving, Bones, please, hear our cry. Please. I'll do anything. Please give me a boner. <laughs> That's <Kay>. their logo. <laughs> oh, give me a shot of that boner. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stamp that one. But, uh, who doggy. But in the spirit of the season, Michael apparently is going to be playing Bob Cratchit this evening. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the history of Christmas. Woo. And consider me Bob Marley then. Well, I'm going to start off by saying there are four lies to this part one. Spoilers. But you already all knew that. 
Is it 12 parts? Is oh, it the fuck no. 12, 12 podcasts. Oh, God. <laughs> well, by the time you get started with it, that is certainly a possibility. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Well, it's that time of the year where we all attempt to suffer a couple of meals or, quad forbid, a couple of weeks with our extended fa- uh, family. Sorry, I saw your I saw your face, Shane, and I lost my, I lost my focus there. Yeah, it's um, not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> um, <laughs> suffering a couple meals with uh, our extended families. Uh, the ones who have some opinion or another on who won the election and other family-friendly topics I don't care to discuss. We all survived Thanksgiving already, but in, but in that case, we only had to eat with these people. Uh, now we're in the month of December, and we not only have to eat with them again, but in we addition... We have to eat them. Oh, here's hoping. Uh, but in addition to eating and eating with them and eating them, we have <clears throat> to buy them gifts. Uh, and for that matter, we have to buy practically everyone a gift these days. I barely and kiss our cousins under the mistletoe. Such a uh, which mistletoe? Well, which mean... mistletoe are you referring to? <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I mean you are you are pretty close to Appalachia now, right? So that's that's uh that's close enough, right? Roll Tide and all that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, <laughs> the mistletoe berries just dangling on my chin there. Hot. I, I was just thinking of someone shaving their pubic hair into that configuration. It's not a very recognizable shape, but... As long as you don't see mistletoe berries, I guess you're fine. Um, I barely... Just the camel toe. Just the camel toe. Um, I barely know what kind of gifts I like, uh, let alone what Uncle Jim's six-year-old that I've never even seen wants. Spoke well, then months- why the hell are you giving Uncle Jim's six-year-old a gift? It's they the They have the gift of not ever knowing you. It's 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 well it, for a lot of people that is a gift onto itself. But if Wait I do second. know them, you got an Uncle Jim. <laughs> I uh, um is is Pokemon still Pokemon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is Pokemon still popular? Do they like Pogs? I don't know. Um, this sort of forced holiday spirit gets me every year. Well, we have to buy well thought out gifts for people we never talk to in the first eleven months of the year, and now we have to know their every whim so we could buy them a gift. And I'm just talking about dealing with family. Uh, I don't even want to go down any sort of job-related celebration that a lot of people have to deal with. Um, You know, and and we have to spend a lot of time decorating a tree that may or may not have just been cut down for the sole purpose of occupying a space in your room or in your your living room, right? Um, You're just going to throw it out as soon as Christmas ends. You're just going to eat it out with the trash like everyone else does. Uh, And the worst part about all this stuff, we're supposed to be merry about this shit the whole time. You know, it's even in the greeting. Merry Christmas. How can I be merry when I'm spending a metric fuck ton on gifts and new decorations, which are only up about a month on average in the U.S., before I have to put them away in storage and hope they don't break before I need them next December? Okay. Far be it for me to interrupt you. By all means. In the middle of what is obviously a very well-crafted and thought-out introduction. Trying. You're being a really bad Satanist right now. I, I not only are you talking about a holiday that celebrates the birth of you know a Lord that you don't believe in, but then secondarily, you're breaking one of the rules of the earth because you're complaining about something, something that you I need not, not subject yourself, yourself to. to. Yes, I because I don't give presents to anybody. It's would you believe me if I said this was all a bit? I would. 
But okay. I just felt like pointing out that I do still <laughs> attempt to employ logic when listening to you speak, uh, and I don't know why you haven't disabused me of that notion yet. I I don't know either. Um, but no, this is all a bit. I typically avoid giving people presents with the expectation that people don't give me presents, and I am happier for it. Agreed. For a lot of these reasons, I don't know what people want. I barely know what I want, you know? Um so why do we do these things for this holiday of Christmas, right? Considering the original point of Christmas was to celebrate some kid being born or something like that, right? Or was it? No, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> um, uh, have we always done these things for Christmas? I, I, wanted in, I wanted to believe in my heart of hearts that Christmas wasn't always so capitalist. Mm. Uh, and so with that in mind, I wanted to do a deep dive into Christmas. Where did it come from? How was it celebrated? Uh, where did it where go? did it where did it appear Ca- cotton eye joe um how did it turn <laughs> he into got this one <laughs> how did it turn into this mess of consumerism that we all know and are forced to love today george um, romero well and that has been my episode everyone uh it was primarily his uh dawn of the dead not night of the living dead that i feel like really uh, emphasized the christmas spirit most so, certainly yeah. and day of the dead no one cared about I honestly always forget that he did make a sequel to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, he also had Land of the Dead. I mean, there's like seven of these things, man. Oh, it I, doesn't I just, stop. I just figured it was like you know the night of, and then the hangover morning, and that was it. Uh, no, it's so. like then the the nine months of the supporting <laughs> through of the college dead. of the dead and the boomerang, <laughs> you know, child of the dead, the annulment of the dead, marriage. Uh, yeah, there's so many sequels. The Basement of the Dead. Ooh. That's oh, that a puzzle actually, basement. Ooh. Um, those questions and, and more will be explored today and subsequently the next few weeks as we look into the history of Christmas. Also, as a side note, these episodes will be a little bit friendly, uh, family-friendly in that Santa will not be mentioned. As is known, I have a small child that lives with me, one who has a habit of eavesdropping when I'm recording. And I definitely don't want to get on Santa's shit list uh, for besmirching his honor, so he won't be at all mentioned in these episodes. Um, Wait, is that a lie? No, that is true. <laughs> You're going to do a whole Christmas run without a mention of Santa? Exactly. I'm uh, surprised about, as you. How about St. Christopher? Nope, not St. Nicholas. None of these are mentioned at all. It's surprising. But there's a I've, lot of information about Christmas. I've been trying to throw out Berlins like every five minutes on this show thus far, and you're still not rolling with me. So no, just, no Berlins. No. How about St. Crispin's? No. <laughs> I will try my best. I, I learned my lesson. I My lies are a little bit more complicated than Berlin, which is totally a city in Russia. Yep, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Just like yeah, Istanbul yeah. and Athens, both in Russia. Well... One Russia wishes they had, but technically there. both cities oh, in I think Georgia. All of them Russia wishes they had. I mean, <laughs> I think Russia would take Berlin if they could. Yeah. Uh, now, I would be incredibly stupid if I said that Christmas is a unique holiday for its location in the calendar. It is not. Uh, Christmas is literally four days after the winter solstice, uh, where the northern hemisphere has its shortest day of the year. That's a big deal, especially for ancient civilizations, because it means everything will improve from there. Sure, you got the rest of the winter to deal with, but longer days mean more sunlight, and more sunlight means warmer weather, and sunlight kind of makes people happy for the most part. Um, especially 
Yeah, Shane, you were about you to say something. You said it's the longest day? No, no. The shortest day of the year. Okay, no. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say the, so. And from here on out, the days get longer, which means more sunlight. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because the night is dark and full of terrors, and you and your people just made it through the longest night in the year. And so, Especially with some creepy guy coming down my chimney. Exactly. Dirty. Um, ooh. Well, he will be. I don't clean that thing. Um, and so, with... I don't clean my chimney. I don't have... I'm Umbo Chimney how, Sweep. <laughs> is that how Peter got covered in soot? Yes. Who's um, Peter? Peter? Black Peter. Wow. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you guys not familiar with... Me? Oh, I'm familiar with Black Peter. Oh, okay. I'm, I, I touch the Krampus frequently. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Um, and so with all this, you know, it's a cause for celebration. You might actually pull out this... Er, you might make it out this year. <laughs> Woo! I, I was going to say, you, you hit me at the exact moment where I was thinking in my head as like, and the Krampus precedes the Red Peter. <laughs> you both just got married, so I think pull-out days might be behind Oh, you. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, allow me to pretend that I'm Trump before Congress. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to sit here and list every single uh, winter solstice celebration, but I want to cover a few from around the world and then focus on several that definitely influenced early Christmas celebrations. Um, let's see. I, the first one, that I, I wanted to try and be as inclusive as possible, so I actually looked at uh, a winter solstice celebration uh, in the Southern Hemisphere to start out with. So technically, this will be in June and not actually in December, because Southern Hemisphere... Their longest day is actually our shortest day and vice versa. So the first one I wanted to cover is uh, in Inti Rami, uh, celebra- or celebrated by the Incan Empire uh, located in modern day Peru. Uh, even then, it's still not really an ancient ce- uh, celebration, but one occurring right before Spain wiped the Incas off the map. Of course, like I said, this is a winter solstice celebration in the Southern Hemisphere. It takes place in June. According to the many documents written by the Spanish conquistadors in the area, who took Mm. great pains to chronicle the Incan Empire as it collapsed from the Spanish invaders, Inti Rami is a semi-recent celebration created by the great Pachacuti, 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 I think. He doesn't get mentioned again. What did we learn from the Russian episodes? I mention his name once and nothing else will happen after that. He united the peoples of the Andes into a single unified realm to symbolize. So he created this celebration in Tiwami. Yes, uh, exactly. In in the Andes Mints Mountains uh, to symbolize the mythical origin of the Incan people. Uh, according to one source that gave me that there was only one source that really gave me any relevant information. I had to dig deep in order to find anything about it for some bizarre reason. Oh, didn't um, listen to Cortez the Killer by Neil Young. No, I actually don't listen to Neil Young at all, uh, surprisingly so. Yeah, I know. Uh, disappointment, as always. Shane's a dirty old man. <sighs> Indeed, I am. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so according to the one source that gave me any relevant information, the Incas fasted for three days before the solstice. Before the sun rose on the day of the solstice, they, not being specific who in the, sh- in the source, uh, so I presume all the Inca... Uh, went to a ceremonial plaza and waited for the sunrise. When it appeared, 
they, again, not being specific, crouch down before it. How? I don't know, because I'm presuming they crouch before the sun, um, offering what I presume to be sun cups, or sorry, uh, offering what I presume to be the sun cups of chicha, which is a sacred beer made from corn. Uh, Animals, including llamas, were sacrificed during the ceremony, and the Incas used mirrors to start fires utilizing the sun's rays. The last official celebration of Intirami was in 1535, so it only lasted for about 120 years, mm. After, whereafter Spanish colonists and their Catholic priests gave the whole mess a big no-no. So I feel like if you're going to be offering the sun your chicha, the prone position should be face down, ass up. I mean, they crouched down. It didn't specify how they crouched down or what was presented to the sun. Burpees. So, Exactly. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I have no idea where llamas are from. But was the llamas bullshit? No, it's true. They're they're from okay. South America. They're the only okay. air quotes beast of burden in that continent. Um, because well, that's insulting to all the llama listeners out there. <laughs> I'm sorry, all of you mama llamas. Exactly. I will save the drama for those llamas. Going north of the equator, we actually see quite a few more documented holidays that occur around winter solstice. Mm. Uh, Our first is directly north of South America in North America, specifically the Zuni and Hopi peoples of New Mexico and Arizona, respectively. For the Zuni, the winter solstice signifies the beginning of a new year, which is marked with a ceremonial dance called the Shalako. I'm probably butchering it, but the Shalako. For several days prior to the solstice, the sun priest would fast, pray, and observe the rising and setting of the sun. The shalako begins at the exact moment of the rebirth of the sun, which is announced by the sun priest with a long, mournful call. At that signal, the rejoicing and dancing begins, as twelve people in elaborate masks dance along with the shalako themselves, which are twelve-foot-high effigies with bird heads who are seen as messengers from the gods. After four days of dancing, new dancers are chosen for the following year, and the yearly cycle begins again. I guess they're chosen right at the end so that they can spend the whole year practicing to dance for four days straight. There's a lot of choreography, okay? Yeah. A lot of moves to learn. Exactly. (laughs) It's like a production of West Side Story off Broadway. When you're in Zuni, you're a Zuni all the way. I had to to check my notes again. (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) <laughs> wait wait a minute that's greece <laughs> we just jumped over to greece yeah um the hopi in northern arizona celebrates winter solstice somewhat similarly as the zuni in uh the celebration of soyal uh the sun chief takes on similar duties as the zuni uh sun priest but instead of announcing the sunrise the sun chief instead announces the sunset uh, once that occurs, an all-night ceremony begins with dancing and even sometimes gift-giving, which I thought was interesting. Moving on, our is next... Is that really true since you find it interesting? No, it is true. I thought Usually, it was... the things you find interesting, you are fibbing about. No, uh, it is true. Uh, okay. I, I, do, I did like finding a lot of... Um, I, I always find it interesting finding parallels between things that have no communication with each other. Uh, so when you have either cultures that as soon as the sun rises, they party, or as soon as the sun sets, they party. I always find that cool. And then whenever there's something that like gift giving, I always find interesting too. Okay. Um, our next holiday is the Chinese Dongzi, meaning winter arrives. 
uh, which probably started as a harvest festival where farmers and fishermen took time off to spend time with their families. Even today, this is one of the celebrations where people from all around China will travel back home to celebrate with their families and welcome the return of longer days. And bestow the dong. Mm -hmm. Bestow the, title. the long dong. But in Japan, uh, going across the Sea of Japan, the winter solstice does not have a celebration, but rather a traditional practice called toji, centered on starting the new year with health and good luck. People light massive bonfires to encourage the sun to return, with especially large bonfires being lit on Mount Fuji each December. In addition, people will take warm baths scented with yuzu, a type of citrus, which is said to ward off colds, I should have taken their advice, and foster good health. Even public bathhouses and hot springs would join in on this trend, throwing tons of yuzu into the water as well. The last one we'll briefly visit is an old Iranian... Yeah, yeah, Iranian. I don't know why I said Iranian. Or uh, Iranian. Iranian celebration called Shab-i-Yalda, or Night of Birth. The Night of Birth was influenced by ancient Zoro Zoroastrian traditions and customs intended to protect people from evil spirits during the long night. People would gather together to protect each other, uh, burn fires to light their way through the darkness, and perform charitable acts. Uh, friends and family join in on making wishes while feasting on nuts, pomegranates, and other festive foods, and read poetry, particularly the 14th century Persian poet Hafiz. Some will stay awake all night to rejo rejoice the moment the sun rises. Can I call a Huber on uh, whether or not they are doing charitable acts? No, that is true. Okay. I don't know exactly they meant by charitable acts, but they perform them. Uh, so... I'm hoping everyone's feeling the holiday spirit now uh, oh, after yes. learning. Exactly. Oh, after learning. That. I'm thrumming with it. Good. Thrum harder. Uh, after learning that people of many different cultures practically did the same things, whether celebrating the sun's return the morning of or the night prior. These traditions. My chestnuts are roasting. Good. And we will be there to perform charitable acts on them. I do find it strange that in the land of the rising sun, they are celebrating at nighttime. Yeah, I did find that interesting as well. Um, but perhaps maybe uh, whence comes the name. You celebrate all night so that you can greet the rising sun. Indeed. Uh, let's see here. These traditions and celebrations are cool and all, but I, I know you want to hear more about Christmas. Uh, not, not particularly, that's the whole, but, well, you know. Sorry. I'll make two. <laughs> <laughs> and what influenced that holiday? Uh, You'll be right. It, we'll, we'll get to that one as well. Uh, this is where things begin to get a little bit convoluted and complicated. You see, contrary to what I had thought before doing research for this episode, I had thought Christmas was sort of invented to help spread Christianity faster within and on the periphery of the Roman Empire, and so co-opted aspects of other winter solstice traditions to make Christianity seem a bit more palpable for the pagans of the continent. Um, while facets of that are true... Like the Transformers of yesteryear, there's more than meets the eye. <laughs> uh, the historical community is somewhat divided on what really kickstarted the whole Christmas shebang. However, I would be remiss if I did not still talk about what I think are two are the top two major influences on early Christmas, and then move on from there. Before that, though, I'm going to talk a little bit about Hanukkah, which, in my humble opinion, more indirectly influenced Christmas than the other two. Uh, this is where, and I should have 
probably mentioned this above, I am not, nor will I ever be, a historian. And so I will probably miss great massive chunks of detail and nuance from the three following celebrations I'm going to talk about, just as I most certainly did for the other previous cultures. I'd say don't at me, but to be frank, I won't say no to any form of engagement, so chew me out by leaving a five-star review or in the YouTube comments. I like that you are actually attempting to co-op Kanye's approach at this point, because now you're giving in, come at me at the beginning of discussing a Jewish holiday. Uh, yeah, I, I, yes. Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I wrote this before that whole mess started. Um, so that's neither here nor there. Anyway, moving on. While Hanukkah occurs close to Christmas most years, Christmas is not related to Hanukkah, as Hanukkah commemorates the victory that occurred during an ancient Hebrew revolt against their Roman occupiers. And Christmas is primarily about that, uh, is primarily about celebrating the birth of Christ. This is also when the miracle of the uh, ritual olive oil that burned for eight days instead of a single day uh, that they had originally expected is celebrated. So there's two aspects of Hanukkah that are really important. We have the massive revolt, but then also in particular a specific event that happened within the revolt. So where they, um, uh, you know, beat back all of the invaders with dreidels. Um, legal says I can't answer that question. So m- oh, of course, legal said it because the lawyers. Yeah, right. yeah, I see what you're just talking about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, since many more people are familiar with Hanukkah than the next two winter solstice celebrations I'm going to talk about, um, I'll only briefly touch upon some of the festivities, uh, those uh, similar to other holidays that we've looked at. Uh, those who observe and celebrate ha- Hanukkah can go about their days as usual, which I thought was uh, interesting, which is, before you say anything, true. Uh, this is not a holiday where everyone has to drop what they are doing and do multi-day-long feasts or anything like that. People are still encouraged to work and do go about their days. It's only after the sun sets that they have that they follow these rituals and festivities that Hanukkah is known for. Um, the main ritual that is done is the lighting of the candles, one for the current day plus one for each prior day of the holiday. Uh, many families exchange gifts each night, and fried foods are uh, preferred to be eaten uh, to emphasize the importance of oil during the celebration. There's also a dreidel, like you mentioned, a four-sided spinning top that everyone plays. Um, everyone? Uh, I presume. I don't know if it's just a kid's game or not. Um, everyone in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway. Uh, there's of that course, twinge again. There, I can feel it. <laughs> of course, there's a lot more that I'm missing, but I'm going to move on, assuming that we all know a bit about Hanukkah, either through friends, school, forms of media like TV, or even family, if you're Jewish. Or- Adam Sandler movies for you or know, the Eight Crazy Nights, which is I find a very great movie. Well, um, I haven't seen it, nor have I talked to anybody of that persuasion for extended lengths of time about their particular festivities. Well, that sounds to me like a personal foul. I'm in the dark. That's perfectly okay. You should light um, some candles. My first exposure to Hanukkah and its rich history was surprisingly through the Rugrats Hanukkah Christmas or the Hanukkah special. Sorry, because there were two specials. Um, which I still enjoy to this day. I found it. It was actually a very interesting show to watch. Oh, yeah. Rugrats um, is delightful. Yeah, good. Still on, but now it's all CGI. Yeah, I tried watching it because we we had my daughter watch it, and it it 
it wasn't the same because I I enjoyed the animation style of the original Rugrats. Yeah, yeah. I won't say that it's bad, but it's just something that I'm not used to. Okay, well, win me over. Is Mark Mother's Boss still the one who's scoring it? I don't think so. I don't know. <gasps> Doc, I don't know. you let me down. I thought of anybody who would know some random esoteric music factoid. You would have gone with me there. Lo siento. But, okay. Lo siento. All right. Oof. Well, I'll allow it. <laughs> so our first holiday that uh, has more of a direct influence on Christmas is Saturnalia. Saturnalia is an ancient Roman festival and holiday. Yeah, Shane. I, I like that that's the title of our upcoming album and you still feel the need to mispronounce it. But <laughs> Well, then enlighten me so I can pronounce it correctly. No, no, I enjoy watching okay. you flounder. It's Saturnalia. Saturnalia. This ancient Roman... is an ancient Roman festival and holiday in honor of the god Saturn, uh, which starts on the 17th of December and lasted for uh, up from three days to a week depending on the period of roman history you look at they did actually vary the uh the period or length of the festivity whether you're looking at the republic whether you're looking at the empire uh, and so on um like i just said Mm -hmm. uh why is it called this word that i won't speak again uh, in Roman mythology, Saturn was an agricultural deity who reigned over the earth during what was called the Golden Age, a time when humans enjoyed plentiful bounties of the earth without any labor required at all, while living in a state of blissful ignorance, or not ignorance, woo, innocence. Woo, that's a big difference. While living in a state of innocence. We've all lived in a state of blissful ignorance, though. Yes. Guaranteed. Um, not a care in the world and free food whenever? Just sign me up. So... I'm just going to say it because I have it written a lot. Uh, Saturnalia was all about trying to return to those carefree days of a younger Earth, even for a little while, so that all could feel the joy and comfort that were plentiful in that bygone age. Um, Anyway, the the holiday uh, starts with a sacrifice at the temple of Saturn located in Rome, uh, followed by a days-long public banquet, during which there'd be private gift-giving, continual partying, and a carnival-like atmosphere that encouraged breaking of Roman customs and societal norms. To quote from the Chronograph of 354, a compilation of chronological and calendrical, which I learned was a word, mm-hmm. uh, text produced uh, for a wealthy Roman Christian in 354, quote, rampant overeating and drunkenness became the rule, and a sober person the exception. Sounds like my kind of party. Um, sorry, this celebration was seen at, at a time of, uh, this celebration was seen as a time of liberty for both slaves and freedmen alike, which is shown primarily in the reversal of roles between masters and their slaves. Uh, masters had to provide table service for their slaves as an example. Is this bullshit? No, this was actually something that was heavily encouraged that you broke these norms and that, you know, for, for, even a couple of days, the masters have to serve the slaves. And not only that, but slaves were given uh, additional temporary freedom and treated as equals. Um, Not just the slaves were freed, but the working people too. Businesses and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in the holidays festivities. Um, This was really a celebration for everyone within Roman society. And what other sort of debaucherous things occurred? Well, 
Gambling was permitted for and encouraged by everyone, uh, from the richest senator to the poorest slave, which is pretty dope. Some slaves saw it as a way, uh, as a good way to game their masters and try and earn some coins and nuts in the process. I'm I'm not thinking gambling was encouraged. It was really, gambling. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, that was actually a part of the um the quote that I gave. I cut off the earlier part, which talked about okay uh, slaves gaming their masters and everything like that. Because um, you, you know it's important to take the game to the players. Exactly, power to the Hercules, players too. Hercules. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of the holiday is one we'll see in later iterations of Christmas. The election of a, quote, king of the Saturnalia. Uh, This king, or ruler as the title is often referred to, uh, was the master of ceremonies for the holiday, and all of their orders were expected to be followed to the T. Commands like sing naked or throw him into cold water had to be obeyed without question, no matter how ridiculous. Sounds like a family reunion for me, but... (laughs) Sing naked! I already am. And throw him in the water, yes. (laughs) Yeah, ooh. See if he floats. Cold here. Mm. <laughs> he's a duck uh, <laughs> set him on fire oh no <laughs> good thing he's still wet um, speaking of Christmas I mentioned the act of gift giving uh, taking place during the holiday uh, this gift giving mostly happened on the 19th of December called Sigila- uh, Sigilaria although some households households would give gifts throughout uh, the whole holiday some house hoes also do give gifts as well. It's the just... house hoes are treated as equals, and, you know, I don't want to continue with that line of thought. It's, you spread joy. It's great. Exactly. It's However you can. Thing, sadly. However you can. Uh, contrary to what we would perceive as good presence nowadays, the ancient Romans decided to go with the exact opposite. Gifts were meant to be gags, like gag gifts. They were meant to be given as gag gifts, not to gag on. Uh before I said anything else. Oh, we're not talking of, about vomitoriums then. Okay. No. Um, consisting of cheap pottery or wax figurines uh, or simple things like candles, dice, etc. Since there was an overarching theme of equality, gifts of value were discouraged since they would mark social status contrary to the spirit of the season. So this is white elephant like gifts. White elephant, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly yes, what yes. I was going to say too. But everyone. You got white elephant gifts for everyone instead of just like a single person. Everyone? Everyone. That's expensive. Uh, well, well, probably not everyone, but everyone well, you there know. There would be a lot less people around you back then, I'm sure. Yeah, because yeah, well, they all the were smell. dying. Yeah, exactly. Um, a Roman poet by the name of Marcus Valerius Martalis, Marsh, yeah, Marshalis, sorry, aka Marshall, um, <laughs> even suggests in ancient texts that the value of the gift was inversely related to the value of the friendship. Uh, the best friendships would share the cheapest gift and so on. Even patrons or bosses as we understand them today would pass on a gratuity to their poorer clients and or dependents to help them buy gifts, kind of like a Christmas bonus. To connect this millennia-old celebration to our modern-day one, personally written poetry had to accompany the gifts. For those who couldn't write poetry, whether because of the volume of gifts they needed to give or because they were just really bad at it, specialized shops would uh, spring up during, uh, during this holiday called Alla Markham, which would give away pre-written poems for free, kind of just like in the spirit of giving. And that was, I didn't really have a good way of ending that sort of description of the holiday, but once the holiday ends, you would go about your business, you know, everything would go back to normal. All that <laughs> Return to your homes, nothing to yes. see here. <laughs> yeah. Hear all right. Hear you. Drop your poems. You can't, you can't stay here, but you, yeah. 
Drop All your right. poems and leave me alone. Let's get out of here. Right. Closing yes. time, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Yep, yep. Time um, for you to go home. So finish your whiskey or beer. Let's leave exactly. Dan out of this, please. He's a marvelous <laughs> man, and I don't want to torment him any longer. So... With all that merriment and celebration and fun times, let's take a journey away from this Mediterranean climate and head north, and keep heading north until we're in the lands outside of Roman civilization, to a different collection of cultures that we call Germanic. Uh, Stretching from, obviously, Germany up through Scandinavia, these groups of people worship similar gods, ones whose names we remember uh, when when the words Norse and or Viking come to mind. Odin, Freya, Yor, Yggdrasil... Midgard, etc., etc. This culture had their own celebrations for the winter solstice, one that we call Yule. However, and this is where I must disappoint everyone, I could not find a cohesive source on Yule itself. Everywhere I looked either found modern-day celebrations of Yule from either a Wiccan, Pagan, or even a Levian Satanist perspective, and but nothing on what constituted an ancient Yule celebration. The only knowledge that we have about Yule comes from Two main areas. Balls. Either balls and the penis. Either through the traditions well, there's that two balls, Michael. I mean Yeah, one produces a boy, the right one, if I recall, and, <sighs> and the left one produces girls. Exactly. Yeah, it's just science. Mm-hmm. That's why you gotta lop off the left one. Um anyway. This, this erection is not this erection is about the people. <laughs> um so either through the traditions that Christmas has adopted, which we'll cover later on, or through long-form stories called sagas. What I can tell you is dis- disjointed, but what can you expect from a hack and a fraud like myself? Uh, I, I'm so proud I said fraud and not frog. Um, I will be primarily talking about the Norse interpretation of Yule, since there are variations within broad court- culture groups like the Celts of pre-Roman France, Ireland, and Britain, uh, those who practice the Romuva religion of the Southeast Baltic Sea region, and even the Germanic peoples of modern-day Germany. I'll practice something akin to Yule, but since I'm more familiar with Norse mythology, I chose there to focus on. Mm-hmm. First, we must first attempt to... Uh, wow, that was a lot of firsts. First, we must attempt to put ourselves in the place of these people, long before the fad of piracy and raiding Western Europe, because... Vikings didn't really start until the 700s. Um, before then, they just lived there. They didn't decide to go raiding, you know, England and the coasts of France and all that other stuff. So up here in Norway and Sweden, all you got are fjords and trees and more fjords and more trees and even fjords with trees on them. Uh, this is close enough to the Arctic Circle that some groups of people might even lose the sun for several days. Uh, so given the previous winter solstice celebrations one might presume pre-christmas yule was more about surviving the long night as such the festivities were probably more about feasts drinking and sacrifices 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 i like feists i i don't want to do anything that's remotely you know problematic or endanger her life (sighs) sacrifices is the is the correct term uh, yes. that I wanted to use, yes. Of which the Norse are particularly known for. Uh, specifically, blood sacrifices or blots, if you want to know more. Uh, my particular favorite of Norse blood sacrifice are called blood eagles, uh, of which the movie Midsommar shows pretty realistically, if I recall correctly. Mm, yes, it does. Yes, yes. Uh, 
It's uh, delightful. Mm-hmm. Fly, fly away. He he was like a bird. Um, one of the main traditions that uh, were found through, all throughout Europe was the tradition of the Yule log, a massive log cut from an equally massive tree that would mark the length of Yule, which was typically 12 days. I don't know if you've ever tried burning massive wooden logs, but those fuckers take forever to burn. And given the previously explained geography these people lived in, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to find a big enough tree that would stay lit for 12 days. I mean, it's not the size that matters. It's about how you use it. It's actually more about the girth. You're right. No, it's how long it burns. <laughs> also true. <laughs> um, one saga, the saga of Hakon the Good, a king of Norway who Christianized his country in the 10th century, mentions some pagan Yule practices from a Christian perspective. Essentially, the town would gather at their temple, and during the feast, uh, livestock and horses would be sacrificed, and their blood would be gathered into a vessel of some sort. Twigs would also be gathered to dip into the vessel, and then sprinkle, their words not mine, sprinkle, uh, all over the temple, uh, from the pedestals of the gods to uh, within the walls, inside and out, uh, to the people within the walls. So, sorry, not that. To the people that are sorry, inside, what blood? So, so they we're would just take flipping blood everywhere. They, yes, they would take. They would cut all. They would get so, all the blood out into vessels, stick t- uh, twigs in it, and just like just think, sprinkle think it everywhere. Like opening sequence of blade. Yes, but yeah, uh, yes, everywhere, yes. Mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, the meat was not wasted, as it too was added to the feast, having been blessed by the chieftain. Uh, toasts were then made, first to the All-Father Odin, quote, for victory and power to the king. The second toast was made to the gods Njordr and Freyr, uh, for good harvest and for peace, and the third to the king. Additional toasts were made in the memory of departed kins- kinsfolk. There are also other traditions associated with Yule, but since they are closely connected with Christmas traditions, I felt it would make sense to cover those in more detail when we look at Christmas traditions. And those are going to happen next time in part two and three. In part two, we'll look at some ideas as to how Christmas got started and look at probably the best iteration of Christmas, the medieval one. So, with that, do we have any other attempts at lies is the whole blood splattering bit a lie no they they do like their blood that was all true quite a lot actually mm-hmm. uh true. well I, kn- I know that they like their blood i was just surprised that it would happen towards this whole yule bit is the uh, uh celebrating your your lost kin folk is is that one a fibber no that is uh, that is true they don't um, the strike Norse me as are- sentimental no, surprisingly, that's where that's where the idea of sagas come from because a lot of these sagas are commemorating past kinsfolk. Okay. Um, there's also the idea of rune stones, where uh, like really powerful chieftains and stuff that just recently inherited their dominion from, say, their dad or something like that, would commemorate their dad by crafting a giant rune stone, which would be like a a massive chunk of rock that they would just place somewhere and carve out their story of their father. Or some sort of commemoration of. Okay. Yeah. So they were they were surprisingly a lot about memorizing, like remembering past kin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any other stabs? No, I got nothing. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm fairly so, well stymied. So the first one was kind of uh it, it isn't a number lie, it's a date lie. Uh, so I mentioned, <clears throat> you know, how merry can I be when I'm spending a metric fuck ton on gifts and new decorations, which are only up for about a month or so on average in the US. That is a lie. Typical US or typical decorations for Christmas aren't up for about a month. They're usually put up about two and a half weeks before Christmas. That's a so. number lie. That that oh, it's it's more of a yeah, date. But I, I was gonna well, say no, it's also you're talking just about the amount. You're talking about the length of time. So I'm not. You know, it's not a date lie, as in like oh, from December twelfth to this time. You're oh, going, I mean, oh, it wasn't a month. It's only two weeks. Plus, everybody knows <laughs> you only you know keep your lights up three days past Three Kings Day. I mean. That was actually something I've read a lot about in in later chat in, in later parts. Oh, that's I, they're not they're not they're not listed because I just got overwhelmed with. Well, you can keep them up up until Epiphany, but if you don't put them down by Epiphany, then you can leave them up until this other date, which you can bring them down. But if you don't bring them down, then that's when it gets really suspicious. And I'm like, why do suspicious. people care? Yes, uh, inauspicious. <laughs> sorry, different word. But it, it was Dumber, just like I think he left them up all year long. I just I just don't understand. Like, I I take mine down whenever I feel like it. Actually, they're not even up because I, I was going to say, about yeah, I don't up. I don't put lights up at all. So no, that's no, I only no, really I, do it. For... I admittedly put the house into a uh, bit of a Christmas uh, in a sparkly oh, we... state vibe. Yeah, and historically, always have to even before Cordelia, I would uh, that that make the house look a little bit like you know Chris Kringle vomited all over it. Ah, um, that's that's sorry. fair. I mean, I. We we set up a tree, uh, and and I took like the the rail that so goes like, like up the stairs and I drugs decorated that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't I don't care about decorating outside. I don't I don't give a shit of if my neighbors. No, I had know a little if, like a tabletop Christmas tree that uh, consistently stayed out for about three years, just because I would <laughs> never get around to taking them out. And by the time I'd be like, oh, I should probably deal with that. I'd be like, ah, oh, it's October. Shit, it's only like another month and a half until he's got to be back out. So let exactly, it roll. Just, Exactly. Right. No, I, I had something like that when I was living in the dorms. I had the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And I still have somewhere. Um, a little little tiny, like two feet tall. I would just set it up somewhere. And I forgot about it for months. So same, I feel it. Same. Yeah, yeah, I had a vivisected elf on the shelf that I just had, you know, approximations of entrails dangling out of for Hell you know, yeah. all year round, just That's as a reminder. There you go. As a reminder, no one else. I like to do the blood eagle with the elf on the shelf. <laughs> I mean, it's great practice. It's great practice. Okay, well, tell us about your other hackneyed and, okay. and poor taste lies here, Michael. All right, so Three we got the go. month. Um, I wrote that uh, according to the many documents written by the Spanish conquistadors in the area who took great pains to chronicle the Incan Empire as it collapsed, that is a complete lie. Uh, the Spanish actually went so far as to destroy already written documents uh chronicling a lot of the lives and culture of all of their subjects that they destroyed um they didn't think it was necessary to record the history and culture uh because they weren't christian and they weren't spanish so why bother anyways yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um one spaniard ink uh his 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 nickname is el inca i don't want to try and pronounce his name um but his nickname is El Inca, was one of the primary chroniclers of the Incan Empire, taking upon himself to record the history. Um, 
one of the main reasons why he actually cared is because his mom was actually born of uh, elite Incan society. His father was a conquistador and his mom was, you know, upper upper crust Inca. So by virtue of him being related, that's probably the main reason why he gave a shit. So he chronicled a lot of the information that we know about um, at least the Incan Empire and in particular the Inti Rami uh, that I talked about. Okay, sorry, bear with me here. What was the lie then? So the lie was that the Spanish recorded things. Yeah, they, they did not care about having They didn't rabbits. give a that, shit. That, yes, that, yes, that yeah. I, yeah, that's what I thought the lie was. But then He's, who would, he, like, the El Inca guy was a Spaniard that uh-huh. you're talking about, right? So I said uh, the many documents written by the Spanish conquistadors in the area who took great pains to chronicle it. It was one person more after the fact that started chronicling things as the empire had already, like, after the empire had already collapsed. And I also don't imagine that the conquistador had developed a relationship with the individual that uh, he was whelped upon, presumably. This was a by-force kind of scenario here. Yes, well, I don't El, think uh, that they gave him kind of a badass nickname, El Inca. I mean, yeah, I, he, I mean, I don't sounds know, he like a tattoo himself, artist but, in Spain. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he, he was, he was raised by his mother. He left um, when he was of age to travel back to Spain to try and get some sort of recognition on his father's side because his father was very important. Um, and he just became a chronicler and he just wrote a bunch of things. Um, but yeah, so that was, he also kind of served in, in the army and stuff like that, but I didn't really want to read too much into his history. Okay. But yeah, El Inca. Uh, let's see here. The next lie was, no, I, where is it? I just want to make sure. Okay, yes. So Hanukkah, I mentioned that uh, it commemorated the victory that occurred um, during an ancient Hebrew revolt against the Roman occupiers. Rome was a lie. It wasn't the Roman occupiers that they were revolting at, uh, revolting against. It was actually the Seleucid Empire that they fought against in the second century BCE. These are the makers of all of our aqueous, you know, waterways or slides. Yes. The Seleucids. Mm -hmm. The Seleucids. The the Seleucid Empire. Yes. Okay. Um, The Seleucids, for those unaware, were a successor state to Alexander the Great. Uh, when Alexander died with no heir, his empire was split by his generals with the Macedonian general Seleucus uh, controlling uh, Seleucus, sorry, uh, controlling much of what we call the Middle East from Syria to in the west to Pakistan and Afghanistan in the east and then some. So um, during the time of when when Hanukkah occurred, essentially, uh, they were the Hebrews were revolting against the Seleucid Empire, which had controlled the judaica at the time so yeah it was it was it was a lie in that regard i think there's something with the maccabees but again i'm not going to try and delve too much into it because i don't want to see like yeah also i mean there's a number of individuals who had lined up to abuse for millennia here so Mm -hmm. yeah hard to keep straight after a while very true their their story is a lot like the polish in in regards of they're just an unfortunate people that just have to deal with a lot of things. <laughs> the the Polish I'm, and unfortunate people. Terrible I mean, choice yeah, of I words. Mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate all the all the struggles that they had to go through is what I'm trying to say. If I had any command over the English language and legal is telling me to close my mouth. 
It's okay. You're just sympathizing. You do not approve of any jokes about the Polish people. No. Not at all. And you denounce them all. Vigorously. The jokes, not the people. Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a note. So, the last lie. um, I mentioned that for these gifts, uh, for Saturnalia, uh, they would have to um, have written, personally written poetry to accompany them. Okay, that and then, felt a little wonky, yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. To to go even further, the you know the uh, stores are also that, not yeah. Okay. Yes, uh, yeah. Alla I was thinking that was Markham, at the time. Yeah, Alla Markham is Latin for Hallmark. So literally, the only reason why I didn't call bullshit was because you stumbled over that word mumbles and so i figured he couldn't have made a lie about this because if he had made a lie about it he'd pronounce it without issue but you stumbled over it so i was like oh okay he's having trouble with it it must be a real thing don't call a lie no see that's that's where you're wrong i, I just I stumble over everything <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly let's just uh, uh, go get our, our our treats down there from the poetry barn and we'll just take them out to everybody mm-hmm um, there were poetry, there there was poetry that would occasionally accompany gifts. Uh-huh. But as far as I could find, there was no other mention of businesses that like actually well, took advantage of it. Well, shops, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that is... concept. Can't believe yeah. I let that slide. Well, you know, but <laughs> marketplaces do happen. And you stumbled on the word and I was like, okay, don't call bullshit then, Mike, because he struggled. Ah, can't See, don't take pity on my on my inability to pronounce words. It 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 won't help you. Uh, it's not pity for me. I just get battered into a place where my brain just no longer really oh, yeah. cognates no, what I, you're saying. I know that's that's what you deal with. You, this is you know episode 174. I uh, understand. Indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but it's, oh, it's second only second time on the show. But I have listened to all 174 episodes, uh-huh. so it's uh-huh. not just Shane that's been. <laughs> oh, I know. Battered into submission, and uh, but, frankly, Michael's battered himself because he has to edit these things. So, oh yeah. No, I know. Every foible um, is just... Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he opened the show by saying that he beats himself. So it's Indeed, okay. indeed. He's just not always cognizant of the things he's mispronouncing until we point it out to him. So uh, I do think it was clever, though, going with uh, the Hallmark bit. That was, I was, I was proud of that one. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was proud. It was clever. So... Uh, yeah, that All right. was part one. So that brings this episode to a close, just like a greeting card, which is quite ironic, don't you think? Love me. All right. A $20 bill taped to it because I, I couldn't bother to get I, you an actual I gift. see. Okay. Well, uh, also, uh, to honor the start of the episode, I will say that uh, this saga is going to be a bit of a jagged little pill to swallow, but I'm sure that we are just going to work our way through it. You live, you learn. And mm-hmm. so... I think that's going to officially wrap this rascal up like a gift, ready to be hurled beneath a dead fur. And speaking of furries, uh, that is, uh, we're here for all of your adoration, obviously. And so I would like to say, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do so. It allows us to get to you unfettered, unencumbered. And that's what we like. Don't want to have anything, you know, separating us. Unwrapped, if you will. Yes, yes. Ooh. Raw dog us, if you if you can, if you dare. And then, you can of quote course, him on that. Uh, as Michael often begs, please rate and review because, of course, we would love to hear from you. And in the show notes, we've got a link tree to all of our relevant and irrelevant socials, so you can go scope us out there and engage as you will. But I think that officially gives us the close, and so. 
That is going to be the Disinformed Podcast this week. And I am Shane. And I'm, I'm Michael. Michael. I, you did it so brilliantly <laughs> organically the first time. And now we're going to do the bad Ghostbusters bit of like, we're ready to believe you. So we're going to do a countdown now to make it easier on Michael to edit. So three, two, one. And I'm, and I'm Michael. Michael. Son of a hope. <laughs> All right, zippity zoop, we're out of here. Fuck. Fuck.